All right, everybody. Welcome to another live episode of the Compliance Guy podcast. I am Sean Weiss, and as always, I want to say thank you all so much for taking time out of your schedule to join in with me each and every single week and my special guests. So you have an opportunity to get to experience what I experience. And today, I had an incredible experience. I'm here live at the Ascent Ear, Nose, and Throat Conference in Orlando, Florida. And I am actually sitting here today with Mr. Clint Pulver. Welcome. It's good to be with you. Thanks for letting me be on the show. It is so awesome to have you here. Um, You know, right away, I felt uh, an immediate connection because... uh, Hearing your story about uh, being a child with uh, overactive hands and an overactive mind, um, and then running into the opportunity to have somebody mentor you and take you under their wing, um, Mr. Jensen, as yes. you told the story. And I want folks to, that didn't get the chance to hear it to hear it from you, because um, it's an incredible story. But immediately, um, hearing about your ties to Rush your ties to Def Leppard, watching you play the drums to pour some sugar on me, uh, <laughs> unscripted, by the way, was uh, was pretty spectacular. So, uh, again, thanks for taking time to sit down and spend time with me and go through this, uh, this uh, podcast. Um, you have a tremendous amount of accolades um, at such an incredible young age, too. Um, and it was funny. We just had an opportunity. I had, a, I had to reach out to my wife because I told her that you know, I'm getting an opportunity to interview Clint Pulver, and I was just waiting to see if she knew exactly who it was. And it didn't take but five seconds for the response to come through. And the first thing she said was, get out. <laughs> Ask him about Mr. Jensen. <laughs> and I think you now refer to him as Larry. Yeah, Larry Jensen. Yeah, he was my, my fifth-grade teacher and changed my life with a pair of drumsticks. It's unbelievable yeah. um, because you were talking about being ambidextrous, and, you know, he, <laughs> he, kind, of, he kind of asked you if you knew what – ambidextrous was and what was your answer to well, that? I was like no I'm, I'm Presbyterian <laughs> and he said no he's like that's not what this means no he's like we got a long ways to go <laughs> unbelievable so you know for for everybody um that's getting uh, acquainted with you um outside of your Emmy award by the way congratulations on thank winning you. that in 2020 thank you uh Clint was also named um 40 under 40 people to watch by Business Q magazine, and they really focused on your, um, you know, the elevation of why from a mentorship. And one of the things that you said that I thought was just so profound during your presentation today, your keynote, was that you can't be a mentor until the mentee allows you in. Can you can you talk more yeah. about that? Mentorship is a really cool thing because it has to be earned. I think usually when we look at leadership or management, those are usually titles, right? You have the title of leadership, and it's all about influence, right, whether you're a manager or you're a leader. Uh, but there are, there's a difference between mentorship. Mentorship was kind of this gray area. For the last five and a half years, I've spent the majority of my life working with hundreds of organizations and interviewing thousands of employees undercover. And it's really neat because we were able to get the unscripted truth about why employees chose to stay at their current workplaces. And I found quickly that when an employee was dissatisfied with their job, they talked about a manager. But when they were satisfied with their job, when they they loved their job, they talked about the mentor. And I'm like, well, who's the mentor? What was a mentor? And it wasn't always a leader. It wasn't always a manager. But a mentor was really unique because they possessed 
what I call our five C's of mentorship. Yeah, talk about that. Yeah, so they this mentor had confidence, credibility, competence, candor, and the ability to care. Like those were the five C's that created this ultimate formula that people worked for. That people they didn't just love the job, but they actually loved who they were, who they are, or who they were while they were at the job. And it's because of what the mentor did. And, uh, I mean, I don't know, it's really cool because if you look at any great story, there's always a mentor that shows up. Yeah, you know, and that was one of the things that you asked at the very end. I thought it was awesome because you said, you know, think about this. Can anybody in here name the last two Super Bowl MVPs? Yeah. Can anybody name the last two Miss Americas? Can anybody name the last two Emmy Award winners, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, Or Best Actor Awards, I think is what you said. And nobody raised their hand. Yeah, totally. But you asked the next question, which was, can anybody in here remember the name of your mentor? And every, almost every hand in unison went up into the room, and you said, call out your name. Yeah. You know, for me, my mentor, you know, my mentor in school didn't happen until I was in my junior year of high school. And it was a guy by the name of Mr. Mosey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in... in Middle school, high school, you know, coming out of Florida, you know, they start recruiting you really young as an athlete. And yes. I played football, baseball, all that good stuff. And it, it, I wasn't focused on the academics, right, because I was so wrapped up in all the other noise. Yes. But I also struggled a lot, right? You know, um, before ADD and ADHD became this mainstream thing. So, you know, this is a guy who pulled me off to the side and he said, listen, when you focus, you're good. We've got to find a way to get you focused. And it was just that conversation that reeled me in and made me recognize that there's something more than athletics. And yeah. there's something more that could push you. And isn't it interesting? It was all founded upon a moment, a moment that he created in your life that represented possibility. And, you, and it's that moment that you treasure. You never forget. You never forget those people. And, and that's part of my mission and, and, and our research is to help managers remember those individuals, but also remember that they can be that individual for their people. Absolutely. And if you achieve that, there's no greater, there's no greater chance for loyalty, influence, engagement, profitability, productivity in, in business right now than becoming that for your people. Yeah, and, you know, so here's the thing, right? You know, I've been in healthcare now for 26 years. It's going to be 27 years at the end of this year, and I've been very blessed um, to be able to cut my teeth in a bunch of different areas, right? You know, practice management, health law, compliance, all these areas. Administrators spend more time, in in my opinion, Worrying about putting out fires, worrying about the minutia, yes. thinking about what color sprinkles they're going to put onto, you know, Clint's birthday cake that's coming up next yep. week. Yep. As all the admin to, stuff. Yeah. All the admin stuff, as opposed to thinking about how do you build loyalty, yes. and how do you build sustainability. Yes. So, listening to your presentation today and and having that opportunity, you know, it gets me excited now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little bit upset because I have to give a presentation today from 1.30 to 2.30. Awesome. I love it. Following you is, is not going to be anything that I'm even going to attempt. You're very kind. But I know that you have a new book out. Yeah. And it's called I Love It Here. 
can you can you talk a little bit about your book and and really what what its purpose is and and who it's speaking to? Yeah. Yeah, the book's titled I Love It Here, How Great Leaders Create Organizations Their People Never Want to Leave. And I titled it I Love It Here because that was the magic of all of the research. Is when I would go into an organization undercover and ask employees, what's it like to work here? Would you recommend it? And when the response was I love it here, that was the magic phrase. That was the magic uh, yeah, uh, saying that really opened the, the, the window into the research as to why they loved it there. And then I would find out, well, what were the leaders doing that created that kind of significance? The cool part, I think the thing that I'm the most proud of with the book is that it's not another leadership book written by a you know, self-proclaimed leadership expert. Yeah. This is a book that's written by 10,000 employees who knew when their leaders were getting it right. That's awesome. And it's a book that I really, for the first time in, in the history that I know of, is a book that has been written through the lens of an employee of what they wanted their leader to know. See, that's so important. I think, you know, and, and I think you're right, because I'm, I'm thinking through all the books that I've read, all the books that I read on leadership, whether it's Tony Robbins or, you know, some of the others that are out there, right? And it's always coming from a perspective of, let me tell you about my journey. Exactly. Let me tell you about my plan. Exactly. And you're taking it from the perspective of, and I love how you say your research, because in order to be able to tell the story through the lens of another person, you have to be able to engage with that person, to be able to understand their, their mindset, their thought process, their expectations. 100%. You know? So, you know, there were, there, was, there were some other things that you were talking about at the very end. Um, you, you put up one of your very last, um, you were using the old school flipboard, which I love, man, you know. Like, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys, I build a PowerPoint presentation, and it's got like 75 slides in it. <laughs> but here's the funny thing. Um, anybody who knows me from any presentation knows <laughs> I literally will talk for an hour without even flipping one slide. Yes. And I have people that look at me, and they're like, yeah. are you going to go through your slides? And I'm like, I just did. Yeah. What do you yeah. think I did for the last 45 minutes? Totally. This is just all stuff for you to read on yeah. your own. Yeah. So Absolutely. That's what I that's what I loved about listening to you. But beyond that, it was your passion. And you know, and I don't know how you feel about the term celebrity, but you definitely are. No, that's nice of you. I mean, honestly, think. I mean, come on. You're an Emmy Award winner. You played for Carrie Underwood. You don't get much bigger in female country <laughs> than Carrie Underwood. You played for Tim McGraw. I was hoping you were going to play uh, something like that. Yeah, that would have been fun. That would have been a, a yeah. little bit fun. But you know. Getting this opportunity, I know I've only just met you, but from the moment that I shook your hand when you were coming to the back of the room, you light up a room. You have this energy about you that just says, hey, man, it's all good. Yeah, thank you. Thank so, you. So understanding that you do have the celebrity status, you do have a, a cult following, dare <laughs> I say, right? Because you were on America's Got Talent as well. Um, You know, what... What was it that drew you to going down the path that you did with researching leadership roles and understanding the plight of the employee? What, yeah. what drove you that direction? Yeah, that's a great question. So I actually wanted to be a helicopter pilot when I graduated high school. I went to flight school. Then I had an eye disease that kind of ended that journey for me. I ended up going to college. Um, I never wanted to be like the, the professional full-time touring rock star drummer. Uh, life on the road uh, and touring all the time is hard to have a family. Um, 
it just wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I actually went into the medical field and was in orthopedics for uh, five years, and I worked as an orthopedic consultant and just was not so totally fulfilled there either. And I, I had spoken in church when I was a senior in high school. There was a guy that owned a leadership consulting company, heard me speak in church, and he said, he came up after and said, I want you to come speak at a leadership conference with a bunch of other high school kids. And I said, no, thanks. I'm like, no interest. Like, I'm a high school kid. I know what high school kids can do. I'm, I don't want to do that. Was that like a judgment journey? Yeah, well, it was just, it was, it was a, yeah, I think so. And I, it was really, too, because then he said, oh, well, I'll pay you 500 bucks. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, okay. all right, I can do this. I can do this. When do you need me? And so I went down, I did this event, and I just loved it. It really was that, it sparked the possibility for me. It lit the flame that, that showed me the possibilities and the potential of what could be. And I, I said, man, that, that was a time where I lived. I felt passionate, purpose. I got paid a little bit of money to do it. And so when I quit my job in the medical field, that was the, the, the drive to start speaking. But the Undercover Millennial program didn't really come to fruition until I was a part of a mastermind group in New York City. We were meeting with other CEOs, and one of the gentlemen that we met with owned a large sporting good retail store. Okay. And he talked about this need to change in his business strategy to meet the demands of a market that's always changing. And I agreed with him. And then I said, what about your people? Have you had to change how you manage people today versus how you manage people 20 years ago? And he fired back and said, no. He said, there's no need to change. And I was like, hmm, okay. I was confused because he felt the need to change how he did business to meet the demands of a market that's changing, but not to meet the demands of people. Right, of his employees. Yeah, so I thanked him for his time. We're in his store in Manhattan, and I look around, and all of his employees were my age or younger. And I just, I thought for a moment, and I said, hmm, I wonder if they would say the same thing. And so I thanked the guy for his time. I had 45 minutes to kill until we needed to be to the next place. So I just walked up to the first employee that I saw, and I said, hey, I'm just curious, what's it like to work here? And employee got quiet, looked around, and the employee said, I can't stand it here. I can't, I, I mean, dude, it's just a job, man. We're all cogs in a wheel, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to get out. And I said, well, why are you still working here? He said, I've already applied to three other places. So as soon as I get a chance, I'm gone. And then I went and asked another employee, and another, and another. And in the 45 minutes that I had, I interviewed six of his team members. And out of that 45 minutes, five out of the six of his employees said they would not be working for this guy in his store in less than three and a half months. Wow. He was literally going to lose 90% of his workforce, and the guy had no clue. That's unbelievable. And that's the sad part is, is the people that, you know, I call it the ostrich, you know, with the head in the sand. Syndrome, yeah, right? yeah. And... You know, I struggle oftentimes with individuals that get so wrapped up. You know, I guess it's a narcissistic syndrome that they have. Yes. But to understand that you hold the futures and the financial success of people in your hands as a business owner, mm -hmm. as a leader of an organization, irrespective of whether you're in healthcare or you're in sporting goods, right? Yes. But to... To not recognize that you have people that could potentially go from a warm body in a job collecting a paycheck to somebody who is a career-oriented person who could spend the next 25 years building your brand. And keeping 100%. 100%. It's always been the thing that absolutely amazes me. So um, I know you've got other interviews going on today. Um, <laughs> You know, you said, how long did you want to go? And I told you, you know, 
look, I could go all day long <laughs> talking to you, man. You're, you're awesome. You're a great guy, and, and, and I'm so humbled and appreciative that you're willing to sit down and spend time with me. Absolutely. And I know our listeners and our followers are, are going to absolutely um, enjoy this time that we've had together and wonder why we had to keep it so short. But other people are looking at me, giving me dirty looks, going, hey, it's my <laughs> turn to interview this guy. So, um, Clint, can you – Tell folks where they can uh, get access to your book. And, yeah. you know, there's other uh, medical societies and organizations that tune in and listen to my podcast all the time. And uh, when I tell you folks, um, this is absolutely somebody who I could listen to a hundred more times as a keynote speaker. Uh, and this guy, he, he rocks it on the drums, man. You're very kind. Thank really you. cool. So tell folks where where they can get in touch with you uh, to, to secure you for speaking uh, uh, opportunity and where we can get a copy of your book. Cause I got to tell you, that's one of the first things I'm going to do as soon as we're done here, I'm going to go find out where I can buy a book. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you can find me at clintpulver.com is my website. I'm on all the social media platforms and then the book you can buy and purchase on Amazon. And again, it's titled, I love it here. How great leaders create organizations. Their people never want to leave. That's awesome. And if you're on LinkedIn, I'm going to make sure I tag yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Connect with me. I would love I, it. I would definitely I would do that. It. You're going to have something here in a few minutes. I promise I'm not going to be a stalker, man. It's all good, dude. I, it's an honor. I really appreciate it. It's nice to have good podcast hosts that understand how to just take care of their guests and do a good show. And, uh, yeah, I know the good ones when I see them. So thank you for man. having me on the show. Listen, folks, that's coming from an Emmy Award winning <laughs> unbelievable musician and one heck of a human being. So, Clint Pulver. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. Yep, Ladies and gentlemen, again, this is Sean Weiss from the Compliance Guy Live. And as always, I want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedules to tune in, listen to what it is that I and my very special guest, and again today, it was Mr. Clint Pulver, the one and only. We'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, remember, as I always say, be good to yourself, but more importantly, be good to each other, and I'll try to do better next time.